0: in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're gonna get. They're gonna get energy, they're gonna get accountability, they're gonna get structure, and they're gonna get support. And I'm gonna bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're gonna get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 53 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. My name is Grant Brisby. I am here with Andy Baggerly, and we are going on—I don't know—week two, week three of absolutely no baseball. Uh, starting to get a little, starting to get a little weird. I think uh, a little punchy, but we are committed to talking about a little bit of baseball. How you doing, Andy?
1: Uh, I'm good, and, and I I did enjoy um, some uh, Japanese and Korean baseball highlights that I'm seeing across my Twitter feed, including Gerardo Parra in a Yomiuri Giants jersey making a diving catch. So, um, yeah, that was that was nice to see a little a little glimmer of baseball here or there on a different continent.
0: Giants legend Gerardo Parra uh, on both sides both sides of the uh, Pacific now. Are you watching a lot of you know classic stuff? Is is that one of the ways you're sort of scratching that itch?
1: Um, no, not so much. Um, I, I guess uh, it's still weird for me to think about being home. I mean, normally I would be. Uh, I would have just driven back from spring training. Uh, like, literally today, I would have uh, driven uh, back as we're recording this podcast. Um, one one thing that I did yesterday is I spent about seven hours staring at my computer spreadsheet program, uh, virtually uh, drafting my fantasy team. Because uh, we decided, all the owners decided in my fantasy league that's been together since, like, 1982. Uh, I joined it in, like, 1996 or so. Um, they said, you know what, let's go ahead and draft. Uh, we don't know if the season's going to take place, but what else are we going to do? So... We did our draft. And uh, so I, I guess that's how I scratched my baseball itch continuously for, for seven hours yesterday.
0: Got it. You know, I, uh, I watched the entire 1995 ALDS game five between the Mariners and the Yankees, uh, the Edgar Martinez double game. And it was soothing. It was just, you know, you're watching, you got Randy Johnson coming in. Uh, he was throwing some sliders, of course, that made me giggle even in the present day. I mean, they were absurd then and they still would be absurd now. Uh, so that I, I watched that entire thing. And then last night, uh, my kids were just sitting down eating dinner and, and they said, can you put on a Giants game? <laughs> oh, sheesh, you know i guess that is the background music of their lives uh so i put on a random game uh, jeff samarja start against the rockies in september i think and i believe it was a walk-off we didn't get to the end because it was bedtime but i believe it was a, a 2-1 giants win and a walk-off and my brain is so broken i can't even remember who that would have been or do you remember a walk-off against the
1: rockies a walk off against the rock. So this would have been uh, in San Francisco then, obviously the first yeah. one. Okay. Yeah. Um gosh, I I got like Guillermo Quiroz stuck in my head, but that was like 9 years ago. So <laughs> I, I yeah, I it's uh, maybe Mikey Stremsky, I feel. Possibly? I'm l- I'm
0: looking it up right now because this I meant to look it up last night. It was going to drive me nuts. It my was, favorite uh, walk
1: off last year was the one where Brandon Belt hit a hit a 580 foot double off the wall, and yes. then it, and then it took a dribbler from Eric Kratz to score him from third base with the walk off. It's like what do you want? A walk off home run soaring to the deepest part of the ballpark or oh. an 18, 18 hopper that that barely scores Brandon Belt from third base? Uh, <laughs> definitely the 18, 18 hopper. Yeah, that, that was my was favorite walk off. One-
0: that was one of only two home runs hit to that area where they've altered the dimensions like in the deepest, deepest corner of Triple's Alley. That was one of only two home runs that would have been last year uh, with the change in the dimensions. But we should be ashamed of ourselves. It was Jalen Davis's first home run. Oh,
1: right. Yes. OK. Yeah. Then he needed that. Some tough sledding for him before that moment.
0: It was. It was. So, oh, you know, we were just looking forward to maybe him being a part of that 2020 team. We don't know if they'll be a part of the 2020 team. We don't know if there will be a 2020 team. And I guess that is an awkward, unfortunate segue into the topic for today, which is that we're still going to look at a little bit of the baseball stuff. And specifically today, I I wanted to talk about the pitching. And not so much, you know, predict how many innings Jeff Samargia is going to get, but kind of like an overall bird's-eye view of the philosophy of the 2020 Giants when it came to pitching. Who were they still expecting to be there in August? Who were they going to want to fold in? Who was the fifth starter going to be? Were they planning on having the fifth starter around all year or maybe uh, turning... Kevin Gaussman into a, a uh, Drew Pomerantz type, maybe. What is the, the philosophy, the plan? Uh, were they going to use an opener? I mean, is, is there sort of like an overarching philosophy that you were seeing?
1: Yeah, I think so. I, you know, one thing they can look at is last season, and I wrote about this in in February, um, and, and wrote a, we all wrote about it last year, was just how awful they were at the beginning of games last year. You know, as, as other teams are are kind of, uh, you know, using openers or are, you know, telling their starting pitchers, hey, don't be afraid to pitch backwards from the first inning on, you know, that old uh, way of pitching where you'd establish your fastball and save some wrinkles to fool them that third or fourth time around, you right. know, those rules are kind of out the window. And, and, and I keep coming back to this stat that still blows me away, that the Giants from the fourth inning on outscored their opponents by 12 runs. Mm-hmm. um and in the first three innings they were outscored by 107 runs um so it's just unbelievable how that happened and you know a, a big part of that was the fact that the offense had a really hard time getting started uh against uh, opposing pitchers so so it wasn't all pitching but um you know talking to a lot of people in the front office talking to some of the new coaches and they say what we can do from a prescriptive standpoint, You know, some of the marching orders we can give to these guys that can really move down that number, that run differential, can be done on the pitching side. On the hitting side, you're just going to have to adjust to what teams are doing, and, and, uh, and, and it comes down to talent, essentially. But there are things you can do on the pitching side uh, whether it's you know, using openers or, or, or using your staff in unconventional ways um, to, to get a cleaner first inning, a cleaner second inning. And, and if, if the Giants could have done that uh, last season, then you know, they might have stuck around a, as a contending team a little while longer.
0: Now, you say, or you're mentioning the opener. Now, would you think that if the Giants were to use an opener for the 2020 season and, and perhaps beyond do you think it would be a i, I don't want to this, this is almost like a, a paradox or an a, a traditional opener i mean there's no real such thing
1: but i'm talking about <laughs>
0: uh like just a reliever like you're just throwing out a reliever for one maybe two innings or are you thinking more of like a mix and match like the dodgers are coming into town uh let's say max muncie is is unavailable for whatever reason so you, you are, you know, going to focus on maybe uh, a specific, a left-handed pitcher or a right-handed pitcher based on the matchups. Like you've got Cahill, you've got Suarez, or you have, uh, so, you know, just a mix and match, and you're able to put a starter out there for four innings or five innings. Or do you think it would just be like, no, 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 here's Trevor Got, go, go out and go get him, Trevor?
1: Um, that's a really good question because. Um, I can tell you from the time I spent in spring training, what, what I was hearing from people is they were trying to build in more equipment for like uh, a Tyler Rogers, who would be that Sergio Romo type who you could you know, throw out there as an opener if you've got you know three or four right-handed hitters to start the game for the opposition. Um, they were trying to really focus on giving him more options and more equipment to get lefties out. I think they were they were looking at it more in, in terms of, you know, how can we kind of soften the blow of this three batter minimum rule. Uh, and and if you're doing that, then you're sort of developing whole pitchers and you're not necessarily looking to take advantage of platoon splits because that's that's where, you know, like Romo is, is the um, example of, of the opener, uh, you know, sort of archetype, uh, somebody who's just got wipeout numbers against right-handed hitters and you could, you know, make sure that you have him facing righties right off the bat um but i don't know it, it, it they might be rethinking how they how they do this um because that three batter minimum might be might be changing the the calculus a little bit i it, it it's one of those things that was going to be very interesting to see how it plays out and hopefully ultimately we we do get to see how that plays out but just from being in spring training it seemed to me that people were more the coaches were more focused on okay let's make sure that you know, um, instead of sharpening your platoon splits, let's let's see if we can give you more stuff to get, you know, the opposite, uh, platoon opposite uh, hitters out. Before we
0: move on, let me take a quick moment to read a plug, and it's for a company that I really am fond of, TheAthletic.com. Uh, so tournaments have been canceled, leagues are suspended, there hasn't been a live game on TV in what feels like a year, even though it's barely been more than a week. There's no better reminder of how important sports are to our lives than to take them away completely. But The Athletic is still home to 400 of the best sports writers out there, and in these very strange, very uncertain times, they're still hard at work doing excellent reporting and telling unique, engaging, informative stories such as talking about how minor league baseball players are getting financial support from their big league counterparts, other topical stories like that. It's during times like this that The Athletic can help keep you connected to the teams, the athletes, and the sports you love. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Games aren't being played right now, but the stories that draw us all to sports, those don't go away. So go to theathletic.com slash brisby for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. The Giants have the ability to mix and match with, uh, say, uh, Trevor Cahill, maybe Sean Anderson, Derek Rodriguez, but one of the more compelling opener duos, and this is in that, that vein of the Giants picking a fifth starter based on the matchup rather than you're always the fifth starter, go out and get them every fifth day, but just looking at a combination of Logan Webb and Connor Menez, uh, just having that at your disposal, and when a, a team rolls through and they are more susceptible against lefties, it would be it would be Menez, uh, or if they have a tougher time against Logan Webb, or maybe there's a team that is struggling to catch up with. 100-mile-per-hour fastballs, and so you might go with someone like Anderson Frank. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, there are so many different permutations, but I'm more excited about the idea of mixing and matching your fifth starters rather than here is the opener, it's a reliever, you're going to see six or seven of them today, and that's just how it's going to be. I'm not sure if the Giants have that sort of bullpen depth right now to, to just lengthen the game out one inning at a time with, with all these relievers.
1: Yeah, I I think that's the way that they were going. Uh, Certainly, they they were very careful not to sort of tip their hand with how they were going to use everybody. They did say um, that, you know, it would be Johnny Cueto, followed by Jeff Samarja, and then Kevin Gaussman and Drew Smiley in some combination. Uh, and the number five slot they had sort of left unoccupied. they won't they won't, wouldn't have needed a fifth starter, have to change my verb tense. Uh, they w- wouldn't have needed a fifth starter the first uh, you know week, week and a half of the season because of days off. Um, so that's why I think they they were to start at least were a little bit fluid. Tyler Beatty, obviously having Ty- Tommy John surgery changed uh, things a little bit, but, Um, you know yeah Trevor Cahill uh, uh, Tyson Ross I mean they they have a number of guys in camp uh, had a number of guys in camp um, that could fit into that kind of swingman role so uh, I I do expect that they they probably will do some unconventional uh, matchups and and pitching arrangements Um, but you know one thing that's going to I think help them is just their overall depth and I, I feel like they've got more overall pitching depth than they did at this time a year ago. But, you know, they, they can't swap that depth out as easily either because the the pitching DL and the option time has gone from 10 days to 15.
0: Now, tell me your best guess as to if the Giants front office were looking at a best-case scenario for both Drew Smiley and Kevin Gaussman, would it be a trade at july 31st trying to get the, the new maurice dubon or is it i don't know something longer term is it that they just dominate so much that they have trade value or that they're uh, maybe that's not the the main the main concern right now as, as opposed to just making sure they eat enough innings and protect the younger pitchers in the bullpen what would you say the best case scenario for the giants in those free agent pitchers would be
1: yeah, I, I, I totally agree with the points you just made. I think for the short term, they're going to take up innings and shield innings from, you know, starters that you would want to shield innings from. Um, you know, obviously one of those, Tyler Beattie, will not have any innings to, to be shielded from uh, in 2020 uh, if, if we do get games underway. Uh, and, and then, you know, they'll shield innings in the first half and and, uh, and then, you know, hopefully they can uh, boost their value and, and be... Uh, players that contending teams would want, and and they could fetch something, you know, maybe not uh, anything like uh, uh, Mauricio Dubon, but, um, you know, you never know who, who knew that Drew Pomerantz was going to fetch what, what he was going to fetch. So, um, yeah, I, I would imagine that's the way that they sketched it out. Um, but, uh, I mean, of, of those pitchers, who, who were you most looking forward to seeing?
0: I was looking forward to Gaussman. I mean, I saw his, his start in the spring was the best start I'd saw from anyone that spring on either team. He just looked locked in and ready and sharp-breaking stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I don't know, that, that that's a huge disappointment, but this also leads to a larger question, I guess, where is there going to be a trade deadline this year? I mean, I, I'm starting to think of all the permutations and, you know, if the season starts on this date and this or that date, let's say just for the sake of argument that the games pick up in June, uh, is there like a trade deadline? Is it? Is it August 15th? Is it, I mean, with such a truncated season, I have no idea. And I mean, obviously nobody does, and it's not the concern of the world right now but it's just you know as a thought exercise this might be a season without a trade deadline so to speak i i don't know how quite you know that would quite work but it's definitely going to be much much different than you might have expected when the giant signed smiling gaussman
1: yeah i we don't know about a trade deadline we don't know what the what form or function the draft will have uh will it be in june will they push it back Um, And it's a real bummer, too. Like, my sister, she lives in Omaha, and so she's always trying to get me to go out there for the College World Series. And I loved what they did, uh, what what they were going to do this year, and move the draft to Omaha and have it in conjunction with the College World Series, which obviously has already been canceled. Um, But there's just, uh, I mean, high school seniors are going to graduate, whether they can play baseball or not. And, uh, you know, some of them were looking forward to being drafted, I'm sure. So you think, well, gosh, you, you can't just not have a draft. Um, but, uh, you know, if other college players are getting eligibility uh, and, and they can play another year, I, I don't know. There's, there's all kinds of questions, and, and some of them are, are so academic and so mundane, and there's so many more important things going on. You think, well, why do we have to think about that? Well, you know, it is still an industry that has rules, and, and so they, they're going to have to figure out a lot of these things. And, and a lot of them, I think, we're not even crossing our brains. The, the trade deadline's the first time I've thought of it, now that you mention it, and I'm sure there's a billion other things like that.
0: Yeah, that's just totally uncharted territory in so many, so many different respects. And I mean, that's a great point about the high school kids. You might see a lot more of them honoring their commitments to these big college programs. Maybe there is just this... Influx of talent to D1 schools that might not have otherwise happened because of all this uncertainty. Kids deciding to go to college instead of signing for the the seven figure bonus right out of high school, and that's like you said, just one of the many, many trickle down effects. I just, I really, really can't wrap my head around it. And this again, this is the mundane stuff. This is the stuff that doesn't matter. And we're going to figure out that we're not thinking about a million other things that don't necessarily matter right now. But if they had happened last year, it totally would have dominated the, the conversation around the sport. And because we're using sports as kind of like an escape to, to think about literally anything else, uh, it's the best we can do is sort of just, just figure out how, what might be different. How How is the game going to approach all these little questions? And man, we just aren't thinking about... Half of this stuff, half of this stuff, we're not thinking about 99% of this stuff and and how it's going to be so, so vastly different.
1: Yeah. You know what? I think getting back to how the Giants should arrange their pitching, I think they should just digitally uh, stitch in uh, 1995 Randy Johnson uh, in every game. Yes, uh, that, that will, so we've already seen that he can wear a Giants uniform. I mean, he did I, it. So
0: yeah, even you know we've got the classic uh, uh, Kruko belly laugh clip where he, <laughs> Randy Johnson puts uh, puts the Giants hat on during the, <laughs> the, the middle Todd's, of the brawl, Dottemeyer, Charlie Hayes brawl. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a classic. No, I, a it's classic. Uh, I don't know. It, it's the Giants were going to have a watchable pitching staff. I think that that is what I keep coming back to. I I don't necessarily. Think it was going to be good, and I'm trying to make finger air quotes so loud that you can hear them through the microphone. Like, I, I don't think they were going to have a really good staff, but I, I wanted to see Queto. I wanted to see exactly how far back he could come. Uh, Samarja was going to be solid. I wanted to see if another team would would need an innings eater at the trade deadline. Uh, I really was curious about Gossman. Uh, Drew Smiley was always fascinating because his last success was – so long ago it was basically a different era you know this was before the launch angle stuff that smiley was a hot prospect uh he missed so much time that he's you know almost like an unfrozen caveman lawyer like he's he's just back like what what is this strange world where everyone's swinging up and hitting dingers uh but i wanted to watch him i wanted to see how the giants were going to fold in logan webb if if they were able to were willing to fold in sean jelly at some point i mean there were just so, so many questions that the Giants could have answered this year. And the pitching was going to... I think the offense was... What you saw it was going to be close to what you got last year. It's a lot of the same particulars. But the pitching was going to be different enough to where that's what I was sort of looking forward to.
1: Yeah, You know, there's a lot about your world that I don't understand. It's strange and confusing to me, but I do know that if I slip on the icy steps of a public building and break my hip, I'm entitled to compensation for pain and lost wages. Um, So, uh, during our fantasy draft yesterday, and and, and I'm breaking my rule, the the person who operates the board during Gary Radnich's show and hits the I don't care, nobody cares button should automatically be ready anytime someone starts talking about their fantasy baseball team. However, as (laughs) as as a means of as a means of uh, getting into the discussion we're having Um, 12 owners drafted five starting pitchers five relief pitchers and three taxi squad starting pitchers and do you know how many giants were taken
0: uh i'm gonna say two i'm gonna say cueto and gossman
1: uh cueto was not taken gossman was not taken somebody took jeff samarja on their taxi squad and i as my last reliever took trevor gott because i have of sneaking suspicion he's going to get some saves this year. Got it. Now, it.
0: Okay. So this is a mixed league, so this is not just National League, this is National League and American League, correct? Yes. Oh,
1: I left out uh, Tony Watson. Someone did take Tony Watson.
0: Got it. Okay, okay. See, I, I play an um, uh, eight or nine team NL only league, and so the pickings Ooh. get very slim at some point, and you yes. are getting the Gaussman and, and Drew Smiley. You're taking these flyers uh, and stashing them a little bit on your roster, so the deeper leagues, you'll get some Giants. The uh, the less plentiful leagues, <laughs> you're not getting a whole lot of Giants taken. That's a good point. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, I've I got actually two on my team. I, I took Buster as my catcher, and uh, I've got, for like the 12th year running, I've got Brandon Belt as my backup first baseman. Oh, my.
0: That is—I— I... Both of those players, I stopped drafting years ago, and yeah, I'm yeah. not a good fan. Uh, well, you know, I'm obviously not a fan. I'm a professional, but it's I, I'm not a good Giants uh, following professional because I at one point just Buster Posey's just, just killing me with. He's just not a fantasy. The Giants aren't a fantasy hitting team. I mean, they they play in the Grand Canyon, so it's it's you're not going to get the numbers. And every year I would say, this is the year Brandon Belt breaks out and hits 30, and, and but when on-base percentage doesn't count in the league just stop stop reaching for that
1: yeah we do on base percentage instead of average um okay. but uh yeah it's it, it's going to be really hard to find giants getting drafted anywhere high in leagues although i you know i do like to have a lot of people who hit in the middle of the order and for whatever reason buster posey's still hitting in the middle of the order sure. um and i think he's going to play more this year um so you know they're not there aren't a whole lot of catching options and i didn't draft him high um but uh Um, yeah, you know, and I would always try to draft the Giants closer because I figure when I was on deadline writing game stories, the one person (laughs) I did actively root for because my story (laughs) was written was the closer. Um, so the year I covered Eric Gagne and he won the Cy Young and he didn't blow a save all year. Awesome. Uh, Delightful. And then, the ba- and then the baseball gods sent me Armando Benitez. So uh, <laughs> the universe has a way of, of, of correcting itself. But yeah, I, this. so this year I, I, I did take who I think will be the Giants closer, a little bit of a hunch on my part uh, with Trevor God.
0: I always had a philosophy of, and it took me years to uh, arrive at this, but I always had a philosophy of when I wasn't a professional baseball writer to draft Dodgers because if they sucked, that's a win for you. And if they were great, well, that's a win for you. It's just, it it was a way of like, hedging the pain and, and managing it in a way where it was like a win-win either way you could you could make lemons out of lemonade whereas if you uh say drafted barry bonds before the the 2000 season which i did you know and then he's hurt and then you've got pedro Feliz stand uh, standing out in left field uh then you're experiencing double amounts of pain that 2005 fantasy i don't know where i finished when i drafted bonds before the 2005 season but it wasn't first place, and so that was like a really tough season, both in the real baseball world and my weird little fantasy world.
1: Well, uh, Draft Dodger, yeah, Draft Dodger strategy worked out for our president, so, you know, why not? Oh, my. Oh,
0: my. And presidents before him. I mean, it's... Uh, this is true. Oh, my god! So it, what are you working on right now? Are you, do you have a, anything you want to share? Because I've got something juicy that, that might publish around the same time at this podcast, so I, I want to blow your mind with it. Ooh, uh, okay. But are you, do you have anything that you're willing to share, or is it all secret baggerly stuff?
1: Yes, I am a professional putterer. If puttering was an Olympic sport, <laughs> I, I'm not saying I would be the gold medal winner, but I think that I would qualify for the team. Uh, unfortunately, there, it looks like there will be no Olympics in 2020, um, but... Uh, uh, you know what when I was down in Southern California before things started closing up there, I went to a couple of nurseries and got a bunch of plant starts and we planted out our our little vegetable garden and got that going so that was a um, that was a nice nice use of a day um, And uh, I, I do have uh, one story about who is my favorite player to cover. Uh, I'm working mm. on that for this week. Awesome. Um, you can take your guesses as to who that might be.
0: All right, well, I'll, I'll let you surprise me because I w- I won't guess okay. And no spoilers, but I, I'm i trying to think of who that might be. Um, is it the the best smelling player you've covered? Because I think we've established that's Andres Torres.
1: No, that would be Juan Uribe. He he, he would put on his hit spray, which was four kinds of cologne, <laughs> when he would go out for batting practice. Um, oh, they use bits of real panther, you know. Smell good, play good. That's what he would say. Um, but uh, uh, no, for me, my criteria of, of favorite player to cover is somebody who was You know really awe-inspiring with their performance who was really talented so you know it can't just be uh you know a rando guy um somebody who had layers of of personality that was very very interesting person who would surprise you uh and someone who was just overall compelling and i think it helps that they were genial or someone who you know you could tell had a good heart and was a good person um uh so that that's my criteria and I'll Got leave it. It, it scratches few,
0: off. Jeff Kent. Jeff Kent had everything <laughs> working for him until that last. Genial is not uh, the Jeff Kent. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I think uh, I think you've mentioned it before, and I think once once I see it, I'll go. Oh yeah. But no, that's a good that's a good
1: topic. I Aubrey mine, Huff. In uh, a, I, I, I had to tell you. it's Aubrey Huff. The answer is Aubrey Huff. No. <laughs> the answer is not Aubrey Huff. <laughs> Oh, man.
0: Oh, what a weird world we live in. Um, All right. So I'm about to to submit this for editing, but I'm going to read you a passage. And this passage is from 1989. It's from January 1989. It was written by the master, Peter Gammons, and it was printed in Sports Illustrated. And it's, it's about Don Mattingly. It's a feature article in Sports Illustrated about Don Mattingly and sort of his Trials and Tribulations with George Steinbrenner. But the passage reads, quote, Mattingly was told during the 1988 World Series by sources outside the Yankees that Steinbrenner had made a deal with the Giants that would have sent Mattingly and pitcher Rick Roden to San Francisco for first baseman Will Clark and pitchers Atlee Hammacher and Craig Lefferts. But the Giants had backed off on trading the two left-handed pitchers when they learned that another San Francisco Southpaw, Dave Drovecki, had a tumor on his pitching arm.
1: Wow. So wow. I'm
0: sort of writing about the what-ifs and the... Just the mind-blowing alteration of history that would have happened if the Giants had traded freaking Will Clark for Don Mattingly. I mean, how everything would be different.
1: Yeah. You think Donnie would have kept the mustache?
0: I think Donnie would have kept the mustache. He definitely kept the sideburns, you know. There's sure. no rules. He might have gone down to his chin. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm thinking I've got a lot of different theories, but one of them is that Mattingly comes in. He's a free agent after the, the 1990 season. The Giants lock him up to an extension. No Barry Bonds. That's, my,
1: that's one of my theories.
0: So you've got Will Clark gone. Barry Bonds not here. I think everything is just wildly, wildly different. I, I'm fascinated by this. I wonder
1: how much career war Don Mattingly would have put up for the St. Petersburg Giants.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, do the Giants even sticker? Oh my gosh, what a mess, what a mess. Well, hopefully that'll be out right around when this is published and read it. And I look forward to reading your story on the favorite player that you've ever covered, Aubrey Uh, and (laughs) just looking forward to all of that but that has been episode 53 we'll be back later on in the week thank you so much for listening